0: to On The Hard Days, a podcast for mothers seeking community and support from those who get it. What if I told you that you are the best mother for your child? What if I told you that despite all the challenges and hardships parenting brings, you already have within you the tools you need to form a strong, positive connection with your child? My name is Megan Champion and I'm a mother of three young children. I'm also a longtime elementary school educator. Not long ago, I believed I was a bad mother. I believed I was unable to meet my child's needs. I believed that no one understood what I was going through. Finding myself as a parent changed my life, and now I'm on a mission to empower mothers everywhere. Join me as I unpack parenting challenges I've faced and provide practical strategies and takeaways you can use today. It takes a village to raise a child, but mothers need a village too. On the hard days, support is right here. On the hard days, you are not alone. Welcome back. This is episode six, entitled, What About the Siblings? And this is going to be a great conversation about the effect that raising a challenging kid has on the brothers and sisters that we are also trying to raise into happy and healthy adults. Before we jump into that conversation, I wanna just take a minute and talk about my very first challenge and my very first giveaway. Today, I am recording this on the 12th of February, So we still have a few more days if you want to get involved. First of all, the challenge is the hashtag one less meltdown challenge. And it stemmed from the last episode, episode five, lessons from a frying pan, in which I came to the realization, if you haven't listened to episode five, you totally need to go and do it. It was my favorite episode so far, and I still laugh when I listen to it, but that episode, helped me realize that sometimes when you remove yourself from the situation, there are often very simple and easy ways to prevent a meltdown. And if you can think of those easy ways or have a friend or family member help you, because I know it's hard when you're caught up in the moment, gosh, your life would be so much easier if you just eliminated one meltdown, right? And so in my case, it was buying Mr. Seven a second frying pan. <laughs> so we didn't have to deal with the issue of a clean pan when he cooked his eggs. Just so you know, the pan is in and it's fabulous. I'd pay $100 for that pan, but I didn't. I paid like 10 but I would pay 100 It was worth every penny. But the one less meltdown challenge is simply this. What could you do in your life One small, easy thing just to eliminate one meltdown. And I want to hear those success stories. I've already heard a few. You know, it's like, oh my gosh, I didn't even think of that. Oh, well, that took care of that. Problem solved. Crisis averted. So that's what I'm looking for. So what I want you to do is this. If you are interested, and you should be, because I know your kids have meltdowns like mine do, wouldn't you like to have just one less So what could you do? What could you do? Whether that's turning off the heat before it makes that loud noise that wakes the kid. Or get that extra frying pan. If they really like red cups, why don't you buy more than one? You know, those sorts of simple things. And then go on your social pages, whether that's Facebook, Instagram, whatever, and tell that success story. Give it the hashtag, one less meltdown, and tag me in it so I can see it. I'm dying to see it. I want to know what you're doing. And now after that, there's also my very first giveaway, which I'm super pumped about. I I already love having a giveaway. I've never even done a giveaway and I haven't even given away my giveaway and I already love it. So I want to do one like all the time. And this first giveaway is pretty awesome. It has to do with the One Less Meltdown Challenge. So you got to start there. The prize is going to be a $25 Amazon gift card. And a 30-minute vent chat with me. You know, it's so hard. You hear me and you see me on Instagram, you see my kids, but it's just not quite the same, you know? It's it's not as just a face-to-face interaction. And my ultimate goal here is community. But community can't be one-sided. And over time, I'm hoping that, you know, certain There just might be reasons where we can come together, maybe post-COVID life, and we can actually meet each other. And there's so many things that I hope for. But for now, I would love to just chat, like tell me about your kids and tell me about those struggles you're facing. I don't have the answers to most of it, and I'm not a parenting expert. That's not my goal. That's not my project. My project is support and community, because as you know, I went so many years feeling so alone in this and feeling like nobody else has a child like mine. Right? Nobody else has a child like mine who flips out over everything and has these massive meltdowns and is aggressive and mean. Oh, and by the way, they're really really smart. And they're anxious and there's there's sensory issues and there's OCD type issues and there's ADHD type issues and there's just so much. And I was like, surely there can't be anybody else on this planet who has a kid like mine. No one understands what I'm going through. Well, Turns out that a lot of people understand what I'm going through. And now I want us all to get together like this is the community. So I would love to talk with you if that prize sounds interesting to you. So here's what you need to do to enter the giveaway. So first, you're going to tag me in your one less meltdown success story. And then you're just going to go on to my Instagram page at on the hard days with dots in between each word. And there's a post that has the rules of the challenge. You'll see it towards the top. Just put, your, put a comment in there tagging one mama friend who probably doesn't know about us but has a challenging kid. And then you're entered. I'm going to go live on Instagram on Wednesday, the 17th of February at noon to reveal the winner. So that is my challenge and my giveaway. I would love for you to enter and I would love to talk with you and I really would love to see your One Less Meltdown success stories. What about the siblings? What about the siblings? Now, if you have an only child and your only child is your challenging child, that's 100% fine. I'm specifically directing this episode to parents with multiple children because I think that those other children in the house often get left behind or overlooked not listened to. And I know that in my own house, that is a a struggle. And while I try not to feel guilty anymore about what I can and can't do as a mother, I have to admit that this specific issue has me feeling guilty. You know, I kind of walk around with this guilt all the time. And I'm working on it. And I want you to be working on it. I don't want you to sit there in guilt. I want us to take actionable steps starting today. So I'm going to give you a couple actionable steps at the end of this episode of things that I am doing because I don't think the other two kids in my house get enough something. Is it love? I don't know. And I hope not. But maybe time, maybe quality time, maybe a listening ear. So we'll get to that at the end. I've got a, a few suggestions. But first, we're going to back up. I want you to think for a minute about when you were growing up, if you had other kids in your house, even if they weren't siblings, you know, cousins, whatever. What do you remember as a child growing up with other kids in the house? Do you feel like your parents were able to give you all an equal amount of them, you know, an equal amount of their time, of their attention, Did you feel like your parents kind of navigated that sibling role very well, where things are fair, mostly, but then also not necessarily fair, because that's not how life works, but everyone got what they needed sort of thing? Or did you grow up in a home where one or two of your siblings, or maybe it was you, got a little more, and other siblings in the house got less, you know, and And I want you to think about how that feels. And I guess if I do the same, right, if I'm going to tell you to do it, then I should do it myself. In my home growing up, it was just me and my sister, and she's seven years younger than I am. And so with this particular issue, I felt like it was pretty even. I wonder if my sister would say the same. In fact, she might not. She might say that I got more of the attention. I don't know. I'm just guessing. And and when I think back, it's because when she was young, I was in sports. I was playing basketball. I had chorus concerts. I was in band. I had the homework. I had the projects. And as we grew up and then she was an elementary school kid and I was in high school, I have the boyfriend and I have the drama and I need the advice. And, you know, and so to me, I was like, wow, that felt pretty equal. <laughs> I assume that she got that kind of childhood attention that she needed, but, and I think she did. I think she did. My parents are both very good about meeting all of our needs all the time. I feel very secure in that, but I do think the age range has something to do with it. But either way, either way, no matter if it's due to an age difference or what, there are times when one child doesn't feel like they're getting the same amount of their parents' or their aunts and uncles or grandparents or whoever they're living with as the other child. And actually, you know, I would even go so far as to say that every family feels this. Every family feels this. You know, parents will say, I don't have a favorite child. You know, I don't, I don't have a favorite child. I don't have a favorite child. Of course not. How could I possibly? But you know what? I do have a child that I really enjoy reading with and talking to. And reflecting with. And I do have a child that I really enjoy kind of getting physical with and more rough and tumble. And I do have a child with who I really enjoy kind of pondering life and the meaning of life and what's out there in the world, right? So I have my own needs as a mother being met by different children. It depends on what it is. But there may be times if I'm sitting with you know, Mr. Seven, and we're talking about life. He talks. About, he doesn't want to talk about his life. <laughs> he does not want to talk about his life. He does want to talk about life in general, and creation, and animals, and it's science. You know, he's he's a science kid. And Miss Seven may say, you know, I don't I don't get to talk to you about that stuff. And then I'll say to her, all right, well let's let's go snuggle in bed, and we'll talk about creation of life. <laughs> you know what Miss Seven's gonna say? Nah, I'm good. <laughs> and so, and that's okay. That's okay. And, and so I guess what I'm saying is, I think every family goes through this where we all have different needs and they're not always being met in, in the same way. And that's normal. and That's okay. But I guess when it becomes a problem is when you're raising a challenging kid and, well, they're always getting a little more. They're always getting a little more. And I have guilt about that. So let me tell you first how the relationship is now and and how things are going now. And then I'm going to back up to when the twins were younger. Right now, my three have a, I think, typical relationship. Now, Mr. Seven and Miss Seven are obviously twins. And Mr. Seven is obviously the challenging child. Miss Seven, you know, she's used to him. She's used to the screaming. She's more and more accustomed to it over the years. And it's not just the screaming, but the anger and, and the refusal and the defiance, right? She's used to it, but, I mean, she doesn't love it. I still have some times where, you know, I sit with her and I say, you know he doesn't mean what he says. You know that he's just angry. He has a short temper. I mean, let's just... Call it what it is. He he does. And he's not patient, but he loves you, Miss Seven, I tell her. And he does. He does love her. He doesn't show it in the ways that Miss Seven would like. Miss Seven is a feeler. She is a lover, a hugger. She is an I love you kid. She is, you know, she likes to make you happy. She'll write you love notes Mr 7 does not show his love like that. Mr Show Mr 7, Mr Show. Mr 7 shows his love through playing, through quality time. And he doesn't want to tell you, he just wants you to know. And so I try to make a point now, whenever I see Mr 7 do anything that goes out of his way just a little to show affection to Miss 7. It's not always going to look like a hug, but they do snuggle up on the couch sometimes usually bonding over that darn stuffed cat that I talked about in my stories that literally almost went up in flames because Mr. Four put put the cat in the burner. But anyway, oh boy, that's another story. This darn cat, now it's like brown and smelly. and Anyway, they all love this cat. But they do curl up on the couch and they do snuggle up with this stuffed cat. And and that is Mr. Seven's affection. And sometimes, I mean, they just play together. They, they do play together. And they do have their own time and and those are the ways that he shows his love but he doesn't say i love you to her and he he doesn't go out of his way to give her a hug and she does she calls his name all the time and she's like come here and he's like now <laughs> and so i i remind her he does love you he really does he really does i i wonder and i i worry that when she's older when she's older this 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 right here, this stresses me out. Like, I feel emotional just thinking about this. When she's older and she's in a relationship, friendships, romantic relationships, any relationship, I hope she knows that she deserves to get what she gives. I hope she knows that. I hope she knows that it is not normal for her to give and give and give and receive very little back. That's not a healthy relationship. But if you say, well, why don't you just tell her now? Well, if I tell her now, then I'm pretty much telling her that her brother, her twin, isn't normal or or that her twin is not showing her enough love. I don't want her to think something's wrong with him either i don't want her to be angry at him i don't want her to resent him though maybe she does anyway or she will down the road i don't know i don't know about this one i don't have answers to this one i do think that therapy is needed for for everybody and and her too she worries about him she she is anxious she has anxiety i would say her anxiety takes the form of more typical anxiety she's a worrier for example, just a quick example that came to my head. Was it yesterday? I think it was yesterday. Kids are building with Legos. <laughs> are you sensing a trend? All of our issues are Legos or eggs, I swear to God. But we're doing Legos, and Mr. Four is building something, and he notices that Mr. Seven, who is still sleeping, took one of the pieces off of Mr. Four's vehicle and put it on his own thing. And Mr. Four really wants that piece back. And it's like a specific piece, of course. I, we have literally. Ten thousand Legos in our home, and I bet you this is the only one of this piece. And I you know, we discussed it, we discussed it. And Mr. Four is adamant that he had it first and that he wants it back. And I'm thinking about it. And, and you know, this is the thing. This is the thing. It's not fair to my other two kids to not do something just because Mr. Seven is going to get upset. Can you relate with that? Does that resonate with you? I'm looking for some, heck yes, I know exactly what you mean right here. I can't do that all the time, and I do do that sometimes, but I can't say, this is what makes logical sense. But you know what? We can't. He might cry. He might scream. He might get angry. He might go in timeout. Like, that's not good for him. That's not good for me. That's not good for them. But at the same time, it's like, oh, well, here we go. So what I said to Mr. Four over this Lego piece, you know, after a while, I was just like, all right, you know what? Let's just take the piece off and I'll, I'll find something else. Like, I'll, I'll deal with it. Oh, my gosh. Miss Seven. No, 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 you can't take that piece. No, 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 he's going to get upset. No, 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 you can't take that piece, Mommy, no. She totally stressed about it. And that's that's kind of where she is. She is worried about him, and, and she doesn't like to see him upset. And she, gosh, she's so conscientious as I am and I was as a kid. She is me. She doesn't want to make him unhappy. And I don't know if she's just scared of him. I mean, he hasn't sort of gone after her since he was in like preschool. It's not like he's smacking people. It's typically not that. It's just anger, real anger. And, you know, she doesn't want to be the brunt of that, but she also doesn't like to see him sad. Anyway, it's kind of funny because in this particular example, we didn't take the piece off because I was in the middle of trying to get ready for school too. And we didn't take the piece off. And when Mr. Seven woke up, he woke up like, okay, like not that unhappy. (laughs) And, I told Mr. Four, I said, we're not going to bring it up immediately. No child wants to roll out of their bed and then get accosted. Accosted? Is that a word? I think so. By, um, you know, by a a sibling. Like, you're not going to get in his face right when he wakes up and say, hey, you took my Lego piece. And so we gave it a few minutes and then finally it came up naturally in conversation. And Mr. Seven said, no, I didn't take your. He was calm about it, too. He was like, no, I didn't take your piece. And Mr. Four was like, you didn't? Mr. Seven said, no, it was lying right here on the floor. There's another one in the bucket somewhere. I saw it. (sighs) Mr. Four goes, oh, okay. (laughs) And that's it. That's Mr. Four right there. Oh, I'm really angry about this thing. Actually, I'm not. No big deal. And so we moved on and there was no crisis and there was no crying. And I'm sure Miss Seven breathed a sigh of relief. But here's the thing. I hate that she was in that position in the first place. And she put herself in that position, but she can't help it. She can't help herself. So that's kind of where our relationship is now. They get along very well. They play together very well most of the time. But I do think Miss Seven is a little bit on edge. She is a little bit, she, you know, she lets herself go. She has a great time with, with her brothers, but she's still always aware of how he might feel and react and that's, that's kind of hard. Now, I have to say that this relationship that they have at home, where Mr. Seven is the dominant twin, and always has been, always has been, is completely reversed in school. Now, in school this year, they are in the same class because of COVID. I think I've said before. It's just, you know, for safety reasons, I mean, I could go into that, but it was the right move to put them in the same class this year. And I don't regret it. I don't regret it at all and their teacher is fabulous. In school Mr. 7 is extremely quiet as he is everywhere. That's not our home. He is not dominant at all. He does he probably barely even speaks. Miss 7 is miss social and chatterbox and and just talk 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 talk. And So this doesn't happen in school. So they have this relationship at home and then they both get to school and go into the same classroom for seven hours and and it totally reverses. I guess I'm glad for that because at least that gives them both a break of feeling like they're stuck in that role. And then when they get home, as soon as they walk in the door, they're back to how it is here. And so I don't think we'll put them in the same class forever. That's not my intention Because Miss Seven does need to be able to develop into her own person. I do think she is developing into her own person. I just think that the person she's developing into has been probably heavily influenced by Mr. Seven. And is that a bad thing? Is it a bad thing to want what's best for your siblings, for those that you love and, and want to be kind to them and make them happy? No. That's that's Miss Seven's superpower. Like, let's turn that around. It's it's her bad, you know, her bad thing, I guess. It's not even bad, but it's just like, oh gosh. That could be a problem down the road. But also, it's her superpower. She's gonna do so much with that. My girl wants to be a teacher already. I mean, she watches me with my students, and her grandmother is a teacher as well, so we have teachers in the family. And gosh, she would make such a good teacher. But This is also not a healthy way to be if it means sacrificing your own happiness. No relationship is worth sacrificing your own happiness. And it's just so hard to teach her that without insulting her brother and forging that healthy relationship between the two of them. Now, when they were little, I mean, this has been going on for years and years, and I kind of blocked it out. I kind of blocked out a lot. But when they were little, these roles were exactly how they are now, but maybe even worse because they were less verbal. You know, they had less ways, fewer ways, I should say, of expressing their needs. And so there was obviously a lot of screaming. And whenever they fought over a toy, they would argue about it, you know, and probably pull on it back and forth and that sort of thing. And then Miss Seven would give up every single time. She always backed down. It's not worth it to her. She wouldn't say those words. She doesn't know those words, but I can see it in her face. It's not worth it. Just let him have it. And that's okay once in a while, but she would do that every single time. Every single time. You can go first. You can have that toy. You can use that glue stick. You can have the bigger cookie. You can, you can, you can. So it's like on the one hand, I'm just so proud of her. I'm so proud of her because she's so smart, thoughtful, caring. And she's, she probably would be thoughtful, caring, kind. She'd be those things anyway. Like that is who she is. But I don't know if it would look like this. I don't know if it would look like this. But at the same time, how do I teach her that she, she needs to not put up with certain things like you can't give up yourself if I allow that now if I allow that in my home now and I allow Mr. Seven to walk all over Miss Seven well guess what right you know she gets older she's gonna allow her partner to do the same thing and her friends and you know what I did as a kid I let my friends walk all over me too I did not learn that at home it's just who I am It's just who she is, but she does have that at home. So I have to try super hard. And I am, I think, but I don't always know if it's enough. Now, when I was thinking about this whole sibling thing, I know that there are so many of you out there who have other children who are not nearly as challenging as your challenging kid, and you feel the same guilt that I do. And that's why I wanted to record this episode because I wanted you to know that you are not alone in feeling this way. You are not alone in feeling this way. Now, while I was thinking about this over the past few days, I remembered that I used to write on these blogs all about my kids. I've had a million blogs. I actually started blogging when I was going through infertility treatment before I even had the twins. And I was looking to vent about that and found this whole group of wonderful women also going through infertility. And that was awesome. But once I finally had the twins, you know, my, my goals kind of shifted and I started talking about baby things and twin things, which led to toddler things and preschool things. And so over the years, <laughs> I have had, I want to say seven blogs. And I never, it's not that I wasn't committed to them. It's just that I kept switching topics. And I loved blog writing, and now that's kind of led into podcasting because now it's like, you know what, instead of writing, I just kind of want to talk. I want to talk it out. But anyway, I went through, and I went and found some of my old blogs. I started reading some of the posts, and I blocked this out, like I said. But there were so many times when the sibling relationship was on full display, when they were toddlers, when they were preschoolers, and I felt guilty then, really not much has changed. And just to give you a kind of a sneak peek, I guess, into what it was like for us when they were little, I'm going to read you one of my posts. Now, when Mr. Seven was the, I would say the preschool age was really hard, and and we did get him diagnosed for the first time at age four, I think I've mentioned before. And the preschool years were were just a huge question mark, like what is wrong with my son? And Wow, he was just an absolute nightmare at home, like a nightmare. And But he was miserable, too. Like, he was, he was just sad and angry. I could not stand watching him be like that. And he still has those moments. It's not all the time. Although I do have to say, just the other day, he said again, I'm not happy. This was like three days ago. We went to play in the snow. He threw a huge fit. I'm going to squirrel for a second. Squirrel. Mr. Seven threw a huge fit the other day. Because... He didn't want to share his winter boots. He's got two pairs of winter boots, and we were going out to play in the snow, and Mr. Four's boots were soaking wet from school. And it's like they all have the same size feet because Mr. Four is a giant man-child, and he, um, he, he needed a pair of boots. And Mr. Seven was like, he cannot wear my boots. He was just absolutely flipping out. And I hemmed and hawed probably more than I should have, and I just should have put my foot down, but I, I hemmed and hawed, and I came to the conclusion that, yes, Mr. Seven needs to share his other pair of boots. Mr. Ford doesn't need soaking wet feet. It's not, that's ridiculous. Oh my gosh, he threw such a fit. He actually kind of smacked my arm away, and he never does that. And he was just screaming, and I had to carry him up the basement stairs. And he's like, he's a seven year old who's got to be 55 pounds. And it's heavy, and I had to carry him kicking and screaming and sat him on the couch, but I was mad too because because I'm just mad that he won't share. And I'm mad that Mr. Four is like, okay, I don't really need to wear those boots anyway. And it's like, no, yes, you do. This isn't right. This isn't right. So I am putting you in timeout, which is totally ineffective, but I don't know what else to do. And I am going to tell Mr. Four that he can wear those boots. Anyway, after the timeout, and Mr. Four went out to play with Miss Seven. Mr. Seven had a really hard time kind of coming out of that funk. And he stopped crying eventually and, and asked for the hug. And, you know, he's not going to say he's sorry. He does not want to talk about it. And I said to him, I need you to understand why I'm mad right now. He literally covered his ears and crawled into a corner to avoid hearing me because he knew and because he can't handle it. And that's and that's not a, a mean statement, it's a truthful statement. He cannot handle internalizing what he does that isn't right. It absolutely damages his self confidence if you force it on him. But in this case, I kind of I had to because I have to stick up for my other kid. And so I said, I'm mad at you for this and this. So I am, I'm mad. And I'm mad at the choices you made. I'm mad at the way you handled that. And here's what you could have done instead. And, you know, whatever. I don't even, he didn't hear me. He heard me, but like he half tuned me out and and that's okay for now. But he did calm down and I did give him a hug and I do love him and I do love everybody. And I just want everybody to be happy and healthy and successful. But anyway, we went outside and Mr. Seven was still unhappy. So he said, what can, what can I do? He was talking about himself. What can I do to stop being so unhappy? And I said, well, buddy, you just got in trouble. <laughs> you you were screaming at your brother and you smacked me and you, you got in trouble. But I'm never happy and, and everything's miserable. And I just, I'm never happy. I'm not happy. I hate this. I just, I'm never happy. Nothing is good and my life is terrible. And it's like, what I told him was that time will help. And, and it does. Time does help. Sure enough, after we finally went into the woods behind my house and You know, snow in the woods is super fun, by the way. And he perked up and he was awesome. And I knew he would be, but it's just hard when he's saying those things. Like, he's still miserable now. And that's my point. He was miserable as a little kid and he's still miserable now. And now he is finally becoming more aware of how he feels enough to say, I am not happy. And that's hard. But as a a toddler, obviously he didn't know that and he wasn't old enough to internalize that. So we had these tough moments in our home when he was in preschool, even two, really tough moments for a long time. And they were like every day, multiple times a day for years. And I would blog about it and I would write about it. And I came after came across post after post after post of just, oh, my gosh, this was a really hard day. Oh, my gosh, this was a really hard night. And I still feel that. But wow, I was like I was in it. I was in it. And if you are in it right now, I feel you. I feel you. I assume you're listening to this because you're in there. Maybe it's passed by and your kids are getting older or maybe you're in the thick of it right now. But wow, do I hear you and I feel you on this. So this was the post I wrote and it kind of sums up everything. It sums up Miss Seven. It sums up Mr. Seven. It sums up my guilt. It, It sums us all up. And the post was written in 2016, so the kids were two. And here it is. It's called Dreaming of Tomorrow. His body goes limp in my arms, still young, but not so little. He screams, thrashes, brings himself to the floor. He didn't want to brush his teeth, but he didn't want his twin sister to have teeth time with me either. He wanted to be first, and to also not brush his teeth. I stay calm for now, looking at the clock. Bedtime is here, and every minute we wait is one more minute. This child is tired, very tired. The meltdown continues for a long, long time. Through the brushing of his sister's teeth, through the reading of a story to her that he couldn't bear to listen to or be a part of, Following us into the next room, eyes full of tears, screaming. Getting close to my face and saying, Mommy, I want to hit you. Waiting for my reaction as he says it again and again. He never does hit me. Knowing my patience will save me, and possibly him, I keep repeating, I know, I know you do. Sister's book is over, she's ready to head up to bed. He wants to brush his teeth with me now. And I give him one more chance. Are you ready to brush your teeth right now? Yes, he screams. I head over to the table and he collapses onto the wood floor. He's not ready. With no time to spare at a time where this boy desperately needs to sleep, I'm forced to carry his 35-pound self up the stairs, giving him the choice along the way to walk. He can't do it. He can't stop screaming, thrashing, doing anything he can to get out of my arms. Pregnant! Guiding sister up the stairs ahead of us and praying she doesn't slip. I hold on as tightly to his wriggling body as I can. Knowing in my heart that I won't drop this child. And I don't. We make it up and I know it won't get any better. The sadness starts to creep in. He's so angry he's simply screaming a sound with no words. How sad to end our day together this way. The night before I have to go back to work where we could be doing hugs and I love yous, and we're not. I can't even communicate with him. Sister starts to get upset as her routine was disrupted too. The hug they give each other before Cribs, he just can't accept it. She wants to give it. Her open arms are ready. And it just won't do. At that moment, I feel sad for her too. She wants a routine. She's ready to comply. She loves her brother. And he can't see that right now. He can't see through his own tears. Into her crib, she goes. Into his crib, he goes, kicking and screaming, jumping up and down and grabbing the sides of the crib. I wonder if this will be the first time he's determined enough to climb out. I sing her the song. I sing him the song as he screams, don't sing, don't sing. And when it's over, I turn to tell her goodnight. And I hear in a sad voice, Mommy, a kiss! Kiss me! I can't believe it. He never asks for a kiss. How could he have known that asking for this tiny little thing brings me full circle, from angry to frustrated to sad to the deepest level of love? This boy puts me through the ringer. He gets his kiss, or five, and I promise him that I love him, that everyone loves him, that it's okay to be sad. And then that his lovey is sad too. And could he make lovey feel better? He lays down finally, snuggles lovey. I say goodnight and I love yous to both babies. There's a little protest there, but he's still lying down. By the time I get down the stairs, he's snuggled up in, snuggled up in sleeping position, which is always on the belly. I'm mentally drained, still sad still full of so much love for both of my perfect, imperfect children that my heart might just burst. The carton of ice cream and spoon join me on the couch. This night is effectively over. Many minutes later, his sister finally whispers, Mr. Seven, you're happy now, Mr. Seven? But he doesn't answer. He's already dreaming of tomorrow. Ugh. That still pulls on my my heart And I had the monitor on, and that's how I heard Miss Seven say that. It's like, my God, at two, two and a she's half, two and a half. It has taken me 20 minutes to figure out how old they were in this <laughs> in this story, but two and a half. At two and a half, she knew how upset he was, and she knew that he she wanted him to be happy. And she checked on him. She checked on him. She was looking for that validation. She was looking for whatever it was that she needed so that she could go to sleep, that so she could feel peace. And he was already asleep. And it's like that was a missed chance. That was a missed chance for her to receive the love that she is seeking from him. And maybe my guilt here is that I can only give her my own love. But I can't give her his love. I can't. And I can tell her a million times that he does love her, and he does love her. But I can't fill that void. I can't fill that gap. If she wants to play with him and he doesn't, and so I play with her instead, great. But, like, it didn't do the job. Two and a half years old, you're happy now? It kills me. It kills me. So not only do I feel guilty because I don't think I can fix it. I can't fix it. But I also feel guilty because I wonder, what am I doing? Have I taken enough steps? I cannot fix the problem, but I sure can Take some actionable steps. So it's an ongoing issue. I've obviously been thinking about it since they were little. But here are the actionable steps that I feel are at least a start. Now I'm going to tell you what I try and do, and I would recommend that you try them too. That being said, you might have some other things that you do or can think of that Help fill that gap. Again, you're not going to fill it. You're not going to fill it. And that's the thing. Like we mothers have to sit, sit in that. You have to sit in that feeling of knowing that what your child is missing due to the challenging child, you cannot fully fix it. And that's going to just have to be, that's just going to have to be. But like I said, there's, you know, there's some small steps you can take to at least help a little. So one of the actionable steps that I'm taking and remind myself to take is quality time with just her, right? And that's kind of the obvious one, but it's obvious, but like if you have multiple children and a busy schedule, it is extremely hard to plan quality time so I guess what I would say to you is I've, I've thought about quality time a lot over the years. And at first I used to think of it as like a big deal. Like what if once a month um, each kid gets like a, a full day of fun with just them, like previous, you know, previous life prior to COVID. But like we can go to a museum and Like, Miss Seven, she's so girly. She's, like, the girliest girly girl. And I was not growing up at all. So, like, she would love to get her nails done. And there's just cute things that she would love to do. Build-a-bear. Is build-a-bear even a thing? I'm aging myself here. But, like, that sort of thing, she would love that. We can go out to lunch, right? So I could do a full day or even half a day. And there's nothing wrong with that. That is an actionable step you can take. But, honestly... I think I would fill her cup more with smaller, easier, cheaper daily steps at home. That quality time is like if you've been on my Instagram, I hope you have. But every single night before she goes to bed, she wants to check in. Of course, and I, I want to check in, too. But now she wants to check in on camera because she wants you to know how her day was, which is adorable. And so she asks, like, can you videotape this video, record this? And I'm like, sure, you know, and she loves it. But we were going to chat anyway, and we chat in her bed. And she and I read a chapter of a chapter book together. And I try to find these small moments in the day where it's just her and I. And last night, because we do this when we're snuggling the kids and tucking them in for bed, we do one kid at a time. And she was last last night. And so she helped me clean the kitchen. And I was like, you can go play if you want, you know, and I can sit with you. And she was like, I want to do some chores. So she and I cleaned the kitchen and she, I don't know what it is with a seven-year-old and a spray bottle, but like hand them a spray bottle and they're good to go. So she soaked my counter and then she wiped it clean. And she was like, you know, look it, I did a great job. Do you like, do you like my great job? And what can I wash next? What can I clean next? It was simple, but it was just me and her. And the same for my other children too so that's one kind of obvious but yet often overlooked actionable step that you can take you know small moments in your day a little bit of time with with each kid if you can other things that we've done miss seven is a feeler as i've told you and she also likes to write and she likes to read and so i've been giving her little messages for example I am still, because it's February and not Valentine's Day yet, I'm still putting hearts on the kids' doors at night, giving them one thing that I love about them, and they wake up to it each morning. And if I forget a night, oh my gosh, they're all over that. Like, hey, you forgot a night. <laughs> they ter- they take turns running to each other's doors and reading what I wrote. But that's special because it's just from me to that child. I love how you. I love when you, right? Something very specific. Don't. I'm not saying... I love that you're kind. I'm saying something very specific. I love how you're sharing your stuffed animals with your brothers or whatever. So that's something. There's also so many cute products out there, like um, a Mommy and Me journal. I mean, if you have a kid who likes to journal, Mr. Seven would rather jump off a cliff than journal with me, but Miss Seven loves it. We've even just used, used a plain notebook, and she'll write a message, and I'll write one, and then I'll ask her a question. You know, I'll say, like, hey, I... You did such a great job the other day with X, Y, and Z. Tell me, what's your favorite type of cookie? And then she'll respond back in the notebook. And we have this little spot where we leave it. And she'll, you know, she writes, oh, chocolate chip. And then I'll write back to her and say, hey, let's get some chocolate chip cookie mix. And let's bake cookies this weekend. And she'll write back, yay. <laughs> and it's like the simplest little thing, but it's just for her and I. And so if you have a kid who might like that, that's an actionable step you can take. And then it becomes just just anything. Hey, can you help me with this? I know you're so strong and you are so responsible and I would love it if you could just help me take the trash out. Like literally, it can be something as simple as that. So I wanna know from you, at, at the end of most episodes, I really want to give you a step that you can take because this is a discussion. It is a conversation and this is a community. This cannot be just me. I would love to hear what you do What are some steps you take at home to give your other children a little bit of you, whether that's a small moment or a big deal or whatever. But I want to know what you do because maybe we could pool together our ideas and suggestions. And I would love to write a blog post. I do have um, a website, which is ontheharddays.com, and it has a blog. You can go right to the blog tab and, and read my blog. It's pretty much so far, um, the same stories as what I'm putting on the podcast. But in this instance, I would love to formulate a list, a list of ideas and ways to honor your other children. In fact, I'm going to go to Instagram and ask my, my audience there and my Facebook group. So yeah, let's do this. Let's do this. We feel guilty and we can't totally fix the problem, but we can at least take some actionable steps. Okay, so reach out to me in whatever way you want. DM, email, blog contact form, Instagram, Facebook group. Any of those are fine. And tell me an actionable step that I can take at home to give my other children a sense of pride and love and equality in our home. Thank you guys. This has been great. I hope that this was helpful to you. I hope you were able to pull something out of this. And if nothing else... I just want you to know that you are not alone in this massively hard task of raising challenging kids. I'm so grateful that you joined me today and are supporting my mission of bringing mothers together. You can find me on Instagram at ontheharddays, with dots in between each word, and on my website ontheharddays.com. I'd also love for you to join our active Facebook group where we talk more specifically about challenges our children are facing at On The Hard Days podcast and community. And if you haven't already, subscribe to this podcast and please leave a review. This will allow more mothers to find us and join the community. Thank you so much.